0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Nerds Cast, a podcast where we talk about movies, TV shows, and, of course, Dungeons & Dragons like all nerds. Uh, I'm your host, Elijah Liner, and a fun fact about me, I'm a huge fan of Zelda and anything nerdy. So, yes, it's something about me that many of you will probably get to hate. I might say a fun fact about me every t- episode, which comes out every Saturday, unless I am doing something. I'm recording this on a Monday, October 28th, 2019, but by then, it'll be, uh, not October. That's basically October 31st is Thursday, so doing the math, it'll be November 2nd, when I actually upload this video, so great timing, I, I think. Anyway, today I'm gonna actually be talking about Dungeons & Dragons for my very first ever podcast episode, so... First of all, if you are a beginner, kind of like me, this is my first Dungeon Mastering campaign, but so far I have had great people. I uh, have tons of people that have played it before that are my players, so sometimes they give me a hand, but most of the time they really don't. And it's going pretty great. Uh, we've done a, a lot of sessions already. My players are 3 to 4. There's one that's level 2. They've come across a champion, which they did not kill because he plane- He plane shifted away at the last second from them. (laughs) Haha, I wasn't going to give them all 5,000 XP right off the bat, right? Probably wouldn't have mattered anyway. Anyhow, uh, if you're a beginner and you're wanting to Dungeon Master like me, then you really, really need to take into consideration that you don't need to homebrew a lot. In fact, I would take basically 90% of your stuff off from the original books, which the original, uh... Three are the PHP or player handbook. You have the monster manual and the DM. Guide. The DM guide, monster manual, and player handbook are ridiculously useful in Need for Beginning. I've read through a lot uh, all three of them. Uh, if you want Volo's guide to monster uh, foes, I think it's monsters or foes, I'm not sure. Then, yeah, you can get that stuff, too. As well as um dice set, you can find really cheap dice. And not to mention a DM screen. Is it $13.00. Wizards of the Coast screen on Amazon for Prime. And if you don't like online shopping, it's easy. Go to your, like, look around for a nerd store or something. Like, for me, I have a Game Exchange or a Hastings, which don't exist anymore, which I'm very sad. This is a little late, but I'm still sad Hastings isn't gone. They were my main source back then. Yes, so, speaking of which, Dungeon Mastering is, like, they've been... That, like, they're high level now, and they haven't even gone through a dungeon. This next session coming up, this Sunday, will definitely be their first dungeoning session. Uh One player won't be there, which is a dungeon, What about your creating session? All right, early DMs out there, I do have a bit of advice. If you do have a player like me, who is definitely evil, like, very evil, like, he becomes a terrorist very early on, oh, Sorry, this is going to be a recurring thing where all- I go into this voice, which kind of comes like a mix between Kermit and, and Yoda, but it's not really a thing yet. I would definitely try to avoid doing that, but it's okay. It's going to be a thing now. <clears throat> Continuing on, early DMs, if you do have a player that's very chaotic, chaotic evil, or very evil, there are certain ways to combat them. If you do have a player, like a paladin, who chose basically anyone evil will die... And basically, all you gotta do is make that paladin stronger than the wizard. Or whatever the chaotic evil guy is. And then the paladin basically threatens him into being... it. You can't make what your players want to be. So, trying to do it normally would be... Oh, well, there's huge consequences for this. Make, make the character almost die, or even die, and have him re-roll his whole character sheet. Telling him, hey, being evil isn't so fun. So really try to play the game, you know, um, I do have a player like but he's fine. actually played (laughs) Season Dragons before, so he knows what he's doing, sells the main items a lot. So, if you have a character who basically goes out of their way to get a really good weapon the first time, it is not their fault, it's definitely yours for even mentioning that there's something like that. For example, the Vorpal Sword. The Vorpal Sword can probably be given to someone at level 4 to 5. It's alright, it's like a lightsaber basically, but black. And it's shaped like a blade, and when it kills someone, it basically instantaneously disintegrates them and their items drop. One of my players, the Asimar in the group, who is level 3, has this already. How? He went into a black market faction campaign and he found it in a weapon shop. And I put it in there, because I did not expect them to find a black market. At all. In fact, I expected them to find it way later, but apparently. They also joined the faction, so they are part of the black market themselves. The Azimar also found a bag of holding when their partner on a black market sent mission to, get, to harvest giant elk um, antlers to create medicine for, like, ten gold pieces, which gold pieces are pretty rare. Like, platinum is like, oh my gosh, you are rich. You are... like, cow, you're insane. So he was like, hey, I'm gonna... This guy, uh, the paladin that went with them, his name is Walden, with level 5 paladin who has a sword... I forget the name. It is a sword that... When you say Ignis or which is like ignite in a different language it the flames cover the sword like so the blade of the sword is in normal flame so it does a two extra 2d4 um fire damage to the sword sword piercing so that in fact is ridiculously good and so this is exactly what happened they came across when they were trying to find the elk a champion who inevitably killed Walden and that was his mission found out by a character named Morzan. And he uses investigation investigation tactics to find this out, and he found out that that champion was totally undead. Not only that, but he was totally being under control, and he also had the ability to plane shift, which the character tried to scan the planes, because he's a planeswalker to try to find him, and he did not find him, because scanning is ridiculously hard to scan that many planes. You can't really scan that many. Especially if, like, when you're level 20 and you're a planeswalker, pro- you'd probably be way easier, but... When you're level three to four, nah, not that easy. I do things a little different with spells. Now, spells, well, they're a little weird. Spell slots are really weird. In fact, you should probably do your own research because I'd probably get them wrong. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Spells are really, spells that take a while to charge up. Remember, if your characters do not prepare them, then they got to wait. So, one minute is a round. So, one minute is all the players go. So, he charges for, like, one round of everyone going. And that's for that those kind of spells, but if it's like a spell that lasts an hour, like the Shield of Faith lasts a long time, but it doesn't need any preparing time. If I'm correct, it um well it adds two AC. It's pretty good. Walden used it on uh, at the Asimar in our group, and then Walden got killed, and he gave our a uh, Dragonborn because in our camp in my campaign the king hates Dragonborns, so he pushed them in their own county. It's basically being racist against Dragonborns. Who are a very powerful race, by the way. And the Dragonborn got it from Walden. The Dragonborn, who we've talked about before. And so, well, the Dragonborn has it. And he's had it. and He's level two, and he has a legendary or I think his rare weapon already. It's, it's not strong. Uh, I saw, oh, it's not that strong. But it was pretty all right. And not to mention that... I do spells a little differently. When you're level 3, you don't actually get really level 3 spells. It's like level 4, you get the spells. I mean, you can learn them at level 3. What I'm talking about, it's basically, like, really hard to get those good ones. Like, for example, I have a Necromancer Wizard who chose Bard as a subclass, which, I mean, was alright, but it wasn't my choice, so. And he decided that he wanted to use Fireball at level 3, so he learned Fireball at level which he can, he's level 3, you can prepare a higher level one, that's how I do it, is prepare a higher level one and learn one for your level. And so, he's able to use Fireball one time per long rest. With that, the champion almost died, because I forgot that he had to use it one time, and he took advantage of that and used it like four times. So in my head, I was trying to add his health back up. And then I was like, you know what? The champion's going to disappear. There's no way I'm going to do the math to bring the champion's health all the way back up before. Because I forgot and I did not mark where the first fireball hit. And that was my fault. So guys, just for example, remember, spells do have a limited number of uses per long rest if you are starting out. Basically, this is how you do it. Levels 3 and below are one-time use per long rest. Level 4 goes to two times per long rest. I haven't got to where my players are to three times, but the three times are pretty hard to learn unless you are that level. So just keep in mind, for a beginning, for a while, you can research this, but number, before level 3 and below is a one-time use, and level 4 is starting a two-time use per long rest. So keep... That in mind, early DMs. Uh, Not to mention, this is advice for players. If you have a DM who is strict, who does not like you to make choices he doesn't want you to make, basically, that person is just, if you don't like that type of DM, you don't play that type of campaign, basically. Because you know for a fact, it's very controlling, and you never like a controlling campaign. You want to make the players feel like they have freedom. Because they technically do. You're guiding them. You make events happen. You plan for an event to happen here. You wait until they get there for that event to happen. You don't force it to happen. For example, in a dungeon, you have a boss fight. If they avoid the boss fight by going around it, they avoid the boss fight. Too bad, so sad. Dungeon masters that are early or people that have played, if you do that, I'm just telling you, you're making your players probably feel like they don't have much freedom. But if you let them have this freedom, they're going to use it and be pretty dang smart. They were in a black market, and one of them was like, hey, we're going to steal this crap. And then a fighter who was an air Aarakakura was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Listen, this is a black market. It's probably going to be ridiculously hard to steal from. And with further investigation, that black market had insane anti-magic security system. It was pretty dang good for your place to have the freedom to do whatever they want instead of, you know, destroying things i mean there is bad sides to this like one of your players could become a terrorist which one of mine just recently became but that's easy all you gotta do is that one's wanted so everyone else in your group is fine if they didn't help him which mine didn't so (laughs) if they do help him then it's more than one person wanted it all really depends though if, you, if your character becomes a terrorist by killing something and not just destroying a building, then they're on the chopping block. Deathbed, basically. Like, if they, he gets caught, he's going to die by the Lord's Alliance. This is what my knight faction is called for the king. You, all, you always need to have pe- NPCs with different opinions. Uh, NPCs that hate each other, if they meet him. Uh, NPCs in different factions than them. You also need to have factions is a good idea. Because then you can say, hey, what are my players like? For example, the Harpers faction, which is even in the uh, DM guide on 21, for all of you who are going along with me, it says that the Harpers are basically, they don't like the abuse of magical powers, and they don't want one person and power. Like, they don't want a king. They want, like, a democracy type of government that makes, like, a vote instead of going around and saying, hey, I want this, so that's what we're going to have. And that is what the Harpers are. And I have another faction which is also on there. The Order of the Gauntlet. The Order of the Gauntlet is someone that wants to take over the kingdom because they are supposedly the correct bloodline. Sorry. Uh, My players have not found the backstory for this faction, but it's also on page 21, and I made up the backstory. I just stole the name and logo. Sorry, but I'm going to do that. (sighs) Monsters. Monsters are a deep sub. You never know what monsters are, what powerful and be a big threat. You always want more than one attacking at one time, because if not, your players are going to finish that person off fairly easily. A boss should not be by itself. It should have a weaker enemy by its side or something. They can eat they, they can e- dispose of. but it's like one of that annoying, like, skeleton archer in the background who is shooting them, and they're like, what the heck? We're trying to fight the boss, and it's very easy. Like, for example, I put one champion like, up, up against six players, so if you have a pretty big group, they kill things very fast that are way above their level. Level 3s and one level 2. Five level 3s and one level 2 almost killed a level 5 champion with overpowered attacks with 5,000 experience points. So yeah, you be careful. Monster Manual usually has powerful monsters, but there's a really good app uh, for, I know right now it's for the iPhone. It's like a if you look up Dungeons and Dragons, like kind of book thing, it has a green five, green and white on the logo. I forget what it's called, but it has all the information you need. Some spells aren't on there. That's something I found out. So books like the player handbook where all the spells are is great. More about monsters. <clears throat> bosses. Bosses are a pain in the neck. You don't need to make bosses easy. Bosses need to take around twenty to thirty minutes to kill. You want a boss that can drop a good item, but not too good of an item. So, for example, let's say you find an Amphrodite off the boss. That would be a pretty dang good item. Amphrodite armor is ridiculously good. If uh, I'm not going to explain what it is right now. Find it probably somewhere in the app or online or HB, anywhere like that. So the boss should probably drop one of those crystals or something, not like the whole set of armor or even a piece of it unless... Like, it's a big boss and your players are a higher level. Then you can drop, like, a helmet of it or the chest plate. Another thing is weapons. You need to manage your players' levels and how powerful weapons are. Eventually, you're going to have a decision point. Your character that wants to buy this overpowered weapon at an early level, let's say level 5 or 6, and he wants to buy a powerful level that a level 20 can use. And his main point is to get that. So he's saved up all of his gold pieces, His platinum pieces, all of it, for this weapon. And he has enough. Finally, he has enough. You have the decision point. Should I let him get it and have this overpowered weapon, or should I not? And here's what I would do. Yes, I would let him have it. But, because of attunement and how powerful it is, I wouldn't let him use the full extent, or even maybe not let him use the magical powers until he gets what should take a while for a level 20 weapon. Or... Second choice, not let him have it and make the guy raise the price. And then, of course, you have that small chance that he charismas him to lower it back down. So, there's that thing. So, DMs out there, just basically, don't put overpowered weapons in shop. Only put the overpowered ones in the hard shops when the players are in higher levels. Now, this is where I get onto one of my three final subjects. Number one here, it's pretty self-explanatory. It's called non-player cares. Non-player characters can be annoying. Make annoying ones that the players definitely don't like. uh, Make cool ones that the players love to interact with. And make one who just absolutely hates the players without even knowing. And the players are busy trying to find out why. Um, Having a character, non-player character, NPC, going with the group on a quest is also great. For example, when I did my Walden Will going on a quest, they basically... Didn't want him to die because they knew this NPC. So when he didn't die, they were like, "No!" And so it was a heartfelt moment when he gave our Dragonborn his sword. But otherwise, uh, if you put an NPC that players do not like in their mission group, it's very cool touch. It's very cool to watch the um, the characters try to avoid and even let him die at time. Um, how your players would react in this situation. Letting someone die, by the way, when they're pleading mercy in my campaign or in your campaign, if you want to use this, is considered a crime, as if anyone sees it at all. So just remember that as one thing. Uh, now, my second thing is going to be the DM controlling characters and keeping up with initiative. Now, remember, initiative is important. Whoever goes first, last, all that point. But you need to have good monsters that can keep up with the guy who has like plus five initiative. Because eventually, you know, they're going to so insane with initiative that all the players go first. So they can easily kill the monsters fast. So it's very interesting to see how that plays out with uh, non-player characters and laws or society you've made and all that cool stuff. All right, here's my final subject. It is money. Money is very hard to handle the price you have to manage your way to use copper pieces silver gold and platinum even electrum if but the thing is you don't want a overpowered weapon to be a lot of gold pieces because then your character will think oh everything costs really high gold so they'll have a huge amount of gold which they really don't need to uselessly spend on have quests give silver pieces copper pieces and when you get a few higher levels uh gold and then even platinum at the rarest uh, have underground cities that have, like, miners in them, and then they can mine their own coins and be like, oh, we would like to hire a miner to go down here for us. Cabs, if you don't have your own wagon, is something great for players to use. Advice for a player real quick here, because I know this is, like, advice for DMs, and all that stuff. Advice for players here, and DMs, if you want to use this, is... <clears throat> don't really let... um People change your mind about things unless they have a really good point. If they're really just trying to make you go their way, but you're really confident in your answer, argue, and even, like, force your point across. You, if you really want to, if you're a voter, you got to vote for what you want. You don't let players easily change your mind. I have a player who easily changes his mind, and he had a really good idea, and I even went like, okay, you know, it actually sounded like a pretty good idea. And everyone was like, no, it's probably not a good idea. And then they realized if they used it, they could have easily won this battle instead of spending, like, 20 minutes fighting this useless wolf pack that could have died pretty easily using this hide-and-attack tactic. Um, and that's basically really what I wanted to cover today. So, your early DMs or dungeon drag people, please correct me if I've done anything wrong. I've done my fair share of research, but this is my first episode. What do I know, right? Anyway, hope you enjoyed this, and I will, um, see you next Saturday. So, yeah. First ever episode, remember, on a November 2nd, 2019. Thank you all for watching, and this is Nerdcast.